Welcome back to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. Times have been, shall I say, fragile lately. Being a Canadian once fraught with pride has spiraled into mixed feelings of shame for the dark history unraveling on topics like Indigenous racism and colonization. Recent stories especially that continue to emerge almost daily at this point surrounding the horrific findings of unmarked children's graves found near residential schools across the country continue to send chills and shockwaves not just nationally but around the globe. The last year has definitely been one of pain, but there's one thing pain does, it pushes reckoning. Don't be fooled though, the work is not done, it has barely begun. Things like privilege, colonization, hate crimes, gender inequality, racial bias, homophobia, just to name a few, must be tackled. No more can we stand by and be quiet. No more. As Pakistani activist Malala Yousafzai said, when the world is silent, even one voice becomes powerful. In stark contrast to this darkness is a ray of light. My guest on the podcast today is fellow Montrealer Desiree Ruiz, a true entrepreneur at heart, a mother and an inspirational storyteller. Desiree's passion for other people's stories has not just propelled her to become the founder of Les Lilas Society, a community that creates safe spaces where people can share their stories, but it also compelled her to share her Filipino decolonization story. Very on topic for the current state of the world, if I do say so, and immensely personal. As you'll hear, Des's warmth and openness just reiterates how important it is for us to carry the values we all expect, not just from Canadians, but from all citizens of the world, really. Respect, openness, and inclusivity are those values. Here at the Anxious Millennial Podcast, I acknowledge that we are settlers on the land now known as Canada. I stand in solidarity and support of Indigenous people, and I recognize that we all have a part to play in reconciliation. We thank the Indigenous community for allowing us to work and live on their land. So I am very excited today to have a wonderful guest, Desiree Ruiz. Des, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So in the spirit of intention setting, Des, tell me what is your word for 2021 and why? Mm, I love that we're starting with this. Uh, My word for 2021 is rest. Mm. Uh, And why? Because I mean, and it has, it has something to do with the pandemic, but at the same time, you know, it's the pandemic and everything that I've been going, going through over the last two years, I would say it's again, just giving myself permission to rest. Um, You know, me, like most women or most people, you know, we've just been like this whole like hustle and work hard culture has just been ingrained in us and we feel guilty resting. You know, resting could be so many different things and it could be literally like sitting and staring at the wall um, Mm. and being okay with it and not feeling guilty about it and, and giving yourself permission to take whatever time you need to recharge, you know, and then not always get into this, you know, rat race of like doing more and being more. Um, So yeah, so my word for 2021 is rest. 
And I unapologetically rest as often as possible. Mm, unapologetically being the key word. Des, why do you think that shame and rest got so intertwined with one another? Oh, God. I mean, I, I can only speak for myself. But I think essentially, you know, I'm a Filipino woman for anybody that's listening right now, born and raised in Montreal, first generation Filipina. And, you know, my parents are immigrants and they came here and had that work, that hustle culture. You know, they wanted to succeed. They wanted to do better. They wanted to pro provide for us. So, you know, my upbringing was typical, um, typical first generation you know, Canadians with immigrant parents, it was work hard, go to school and like do, 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 um, and rest, uh, equated to laziness mm. essentially, you know? Wow. So like, if you took time to rest, you were lazy. If you didn't want to do anything, you were non like productive was good. Non-productive was lazy, you know? So all of the negative terms or like rest essentially was part of the negative, the negative side of, of, of life growing up. And, you know, what do all kids want? They want to be loved and seen by their parents. So you're not going to rest, right? So you, you're just constantly doing and being and trying to do more and, you know, add decades to that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's taken me a while to unpack that or to acknowledge that and be aware of it. But now I am. And, you know, now I know that it's okay to rest now that I, I know that it's okay to take, the time that I need to, as I mentioned earlier, recharge. This is so interesting. So you and I talked offline about, you know, the fact that, so we're both from Montreal and obviously Montreal and the surrounding regions are clearly reopened. It's summertime, people are out and about. And we talked, you and I, about how much pressure <laughs> and how much we might not be feeling any of that right now, I, uh, you know, the sense of FOMO, is it something that's real for us? Or on the flip side, are we actually comfortable not necessarily reintegrating? What do you think the pandemic does, has done for us as far as shifting the whole mindset of being out and about and rest? Well, I think, I think the pandemic definitely forced us all to pause. The entire world, you know, had to stop. And, you know, I've had so many conversations with so many friends uh, and myself included. We all there's this there's this mild social anxiety about going back to how life was before the pandemic um, and the hustle and the bustle and the pack schedules and, the you know, the the driving from here to there and the constant energy sucking activities, you know, and, and I'm not ready for that, you know, and it doesn't mean that I, I'm necessarily super scared of COVID. It just means that like energetically, I really like, you know, not having to do and be, and, you know, and, and again, it's, if you think about it energetically, like pre COVID it was, and again, I'm, I, I am a social, I was a social butterfly. I love to be out and about. I am a curious person. I love to try different things and see people all the time. Um, and I think that's amazing. And I still want to continue that, but I think the pandemic gifted me with, um, the time and the space and the permission to rest and to set healthier boundaries. And so now I'm like, no, I don't feel like doing that, you know, because I know now that I can just stay home and I'm really content at home. Well, thank you for normalizing that. I think that's how a lot of people feel 
And I truly believe, myself included, many of us don't want to admit that. But, you know, there are just some days where, no, I'm good. I don't want to go anywhere. But switching gears a little bit, Des, what can you tell us about Lelila Society? Mm, yeah, thank you for asking. So um, Lelila is a so many things, but it started off as a story sharing platform that my best friend Joel and I started in 2016. We were both going through transitional times in our life and really just wanted to do something that brought us joy. Um, and just a little context, you know, I had uh, built businesses, nightclubs and restaurants in Montreal for years. And again, it was very, you know, sales driven and people driven and like a lot of pressure. And as fun as it was, it wasn't my dream. You know, the there was a lot of aspects and things that I loved about it, but it was never my dream. It was somebody else's dream. Mm. So, you know, that was a transitional moment that I was going through. And so we just said, what do we want to do for us? Forget about society, forget about followers, forget about making money. What brings us joy? What can we create uh, that would bring us joy? Mm. And we had both come from a service background, you know, working in restaurants and working with people uh, for, for many, many years. And we, and we both also had two very strong networks together and separately. So we said, let's create an event where everybody can come together and let's share stories because sharing stories or listening to stories was something that we both really, really loved. Um, we love learning from different women. We love, you know, how many times have you gone to a dinner party and you meet a new friend and then she'll share something about you and then you'll take that story and share oh, it with all of your friends. So good. Right. So we said, Hey, let's just get, let's just, let's book a night and invite five of our friends to share something personal. Um, they can go as deep and as vulnerable as they want to do, but let's just like, again, a cocktail party with, purpose. Um, and so that's literally what it was. Uh, and there were 50, 50 of our friends that attended the first event and six of us shared and it was pure magic. Like, again, there was zero expectation for anything. It were, there was zero expectation for it to go anywhere. Um, but it did, you know, because women came together, women from all different walks of life came together to share their personal journeys. Um, and they weren't, keynote speakers. They weren't influencers. They were literally just Madame Tout le Monde. And we all came together, we shared, and then we connected. And so that was in 2016. And since then we've, we've hosted, I don't even know, like at least 30 events of hundreds of women have shared their stories. Um, and then it had gone on to, you know, events for women and then events for students. Um, and then the men were like, what about us? We have we have, we have things to share too, because essentially when you share stories, you connect with, with the other person, you connect with the person sharing the story, but then you connect to yourself as well, because again, it comes back to the permission or the words, um, that you hear that give you permission to feel whatever, whatever comes up as oh, you listen. I, just the power of storytelling is, mm -hmm. is, I don't think we talk about it enough. I think that's why movies resonate with us. I think that's, you're right. How we connect with other human beings is hearing their background. It, it creates common humanity. And there was mm -hmm. something you said, which was you wanted to um, have a cocktail party with purpose. Yeah. Well, I was recent, I was newly divorced at the time and or separated. And, you know, for any of the single mommies out there, you know, you only have like X amount of free days. And I was like, I'm going to be away from my daughter 
I, and I'm too old. I'm so over like the, the, the nights out the you know, the night out at the bar, the mm. restaurant where with the surface conversation, like I, when I wanted to leave my house and come back feeling fulfilled, I still wanted to get dressed up at then, not, not necessarily now, but back then I still wanted to get dressed up. I still wanted to feel, you know, I wanted to be with my friends, but I wanted to, again, come home feeling fulfilled and full. So that's what we wanted to create. That resonates so much because Montreal, much like uh, many other university towns across North America, across the world, um, Montreal can be a scene. It can be, you know, and you know this, having been Mm. in the environment you were in, it becomes very clicky and it becomes sort of uncomfortable for people who, like yourself, want a deeper connection and they're investing time and energy being out um, having gotten ready and dressed up and the time away from their family, like your time away from your daughter. And they're out there connecting on such a, just a superficial level. And when you want to meet a person, be it a friend or a potential partner, it just doesn't align with your values, does it? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And that's why, that's what I had felt. I mean, it was like a few months into my separation. And again, it just got, it got old and it got repetitive. And it was like, no, I want more. I want to connect. There was like, at least for me, there was this missing aspect of connection. And again, I'm somebody that's blessed with a lot of amazing friends um, who fill this void and this, you know, this connection or make me feel connected. But there's something to be said again about storytelling and listening to different women share their stories that helps me learn a little bit more about myself or gives me tools to put on my toolbox for me to then help whoever needs to be helped going forward. I can tell you just how powerful that is. And I think that the pandemic has also shifted that too. There's been such a prevalent amount of loneliness and the aspect Mm -hmm. of storytelling connecting through each other's journey, what people have gone through has been lost. You know, we're blessed again with, with technology. And I kind of want to go back a little bit based on uh, the, the chat we had earlier about culture. And yes, as a Filipino woman yourself and me being of Italian descent, we talk a little bit about conventions and how culture sort of influences our mentalities. And you talked a lot during our first chat about your decolonization journey. Hmm. And I know you mentioned offline that the pandemic gave you the time to learn about this history. So what can you tell us about this journey? Again, the pandemic gifted me the time to, and because I was, you know, like most of us, I was online a lot. And I I learned about the things that I wasn't taught um, in history, very similar to what's going on in Canada yes. right now. You know, it's very, very, very similar. And, you know, f- for those of you who are not familiar with Filipino history, you know, we were also colonized. We were colonized by Spain for over 400 years and then the United States for about 100. I'm not quite sure of the exact details, but essentially a country that was colonized by by somebody else for 500 years. So basically coming and saying, you're not enough. You're not good. You know, we are going to make you better. We are going to take out the Filipino in you, uh, and make you better. And, uh, because you weren't enough essentially. Right. So I was taught to praise, you know, my great grandfather was Spain. And for a very long time, it was, you know, proud that my last name was Spanish and proud that my great grandfather was, you know, from Spain. And, you know, my, my, quarter white side and you know and and I'm guilty of praising that 
about me. And now the decolonization journey has made me realize why that was so present in my life and why I was only taught 40% of my actual history, uh, which I never felt connected to truthfully. You know, I never, I mean, that's another conversation, but I never felt connected to it because being Filipina always, and again, because of my household, always felt that it was very linked to being Catholic. Um, so I never connected to that. And you're Italian. You can, you can kind of get that. Um, so I always didn't feel connected to that. And I always felt guilty because I didn't feel connected to being Filipina, but then the decolonization journey. So my whole life, I got 40% of the actual history and only, and it only started when the, when Spain colonized the Philippines, but my decolonization journey took me back here, like to the, you know, the like 402 years ago, you know, where I actually learned who we were before the Spaniards were uh, in the country. And that is what I feel the most connected to. And I've never been so connected to my roots. And again, it was just like unpacking and learning the parts that weren't necessarily exposed to me growing up. And yeah, so that's, that's the decolonization journey, which is unfortunately very similar to Canada. So I'm really connected to, um, I'm really saddened by everything that's going on in this country. But it's, you know, it's it's time that everybody starts to realize the effects of colonialism um, mm-hmm. and the trauma that, that happens. Yes, yes. You know, myself thinking back, Des, on how I was taught history. And I use that as a frame of reference because, you know, unfortunately for many of us in this country, that was the first time we were introduced to indigenous culture. And the very little amount of acknowledgement that was, in my classroom anyways, that was given to Indigenous culture, only now demonstrates just how systemic this whole problem is. Um, this is this is just a shameful part of our history, unfortunately. So, But on a more positive note, I am so touched to have heard that pre-colonization, that that portion of your roots is something you identify more with that must be quite a shift in perspective for you oh my god it's amazing and that's why like I invite anybody I mean Filipina or non-Filipina if you're not feeling connected you know do some digging take some time to do some digging of where your roots are and again it's just there's a quote and I'm gonna I'm gonna slaughter it right now but it's like you know who you are when you realize where you come from Mm. I I completely saw I'll try to I'll try to find it but again it's just essentially understanding where you come from but like where you really come from you know and and my second word for 2021 is like why is why um and you know if you see somebody like frustrated on the street before judging now I'll say or not even before judging instead of judging I'll say why like where what happened to them where did they come from so much weight in that and and again I have I have goosebumps because you know I think there was so much bias and there still is there's always going to be bias right that that's that Mm -hmm. unconscious bias that we've it's like a buzzword at this point but it's it's there and at the same time digging into why it's there how did it get there in the first place and it, it goes a lot to like back to like education you know, and how we're raising our children and the future generation. But there's so much value in this because with your daughter right now, you're really able to Mm. teach her that history. 
Well, what's amazing, so my daughter, my daughter's father is from France and my daughter is Filipina. And so she's really walking this journey with me, obviously not as, not as intense, but she is walking this journey with me. And, and then in, at, at her school, they taught them about the unfortunate incident that happened at Kamloops. And one of the questions that she asked me, and so when I start, started going into uh, colonization and how, you know, I said white people came here, the, the, the natives were here, and then white people came and said, you know, we're taking everything and you have to listen to us, you're not good enough. How would that make you feel? And she was so saddened by it. And one of her questions was, what countries did things like this? Hmm. She's half French. And I, I've, I avoided the question for a while because I was like, do I really want to, you know, say this to my seven-year-old? But then I eventually did. I said, you know, there's a lot of different countries um, and France was one of them. And she, oh my God, Alex, she looked at me and just like that crocodile tear came dripping down and she said, but I'm half French. And I said, I know my love. I said, but it doesn't make you a bad person. I it doesn't make you a bad person. And we don't have to always agree with our, with what our ancestors did. It just means that we're here to make things better. And I said, mommy's, mommy's grand, great grandfather was from Spain. And I didn't agree with a lot of things that he did and that he stood for, but it is a part of who we are and we have to do better. Oh, uh, the gentleness with which you delivered that was so beautiful. I'm going to have to take notes and remember this when it's time for me to have such a heavy handed conversation with my little one sometime in the future. But there is no smooth segue out of this. And I do want to switch gears and ask you about boundaries. We alluded to this in the beginning of the interview, but Des, I'd love to know more about how you exert boundaries with people you love. Mm. Thank you for the compliment. Um, just for the record, I'm 42 and it's only been about two years now that I've been able to set healthier boundaries. Again, it's just, I, I had to unpack the guilt. I had to unpack certain guilt and certain like feelings of unworthiness inside of me and to be able to calmly vocalize what I want and stand in that um, and come from a place where it's okay to use my voice and to to tell people how I'm feeling or what I want or don't want, you know, and with my current partner now with my boyfriend, he'll be like, do you want to do something? And if I don't feel like doing it, I'll politely say, you know, I'd rather stay home and, and, you know, relax today versus before again, this, this people, people pleasing social butterfly, um, in me was quick to say yes to make, to, because I was curious and I was excited, um, I was more excited versus checking in on myself. Like it was always so outward. Whereas again, over the last two years, I've really like been able to sit and feel and to validate my own feelings, uh, no longer needing somebody else to validate my feelings and, and then use my voice to say, no, I don't feel like doing that. Um, but thank you for asking, or maybe next time, or, um, no, I'm not really into that. Or I don't like it when you do this. Um, I'm actually teaching my daughter to set, you know, we, we, we learned the word boundaries. She had a, a play date the other day and her friend was so excited to be here and just started touching everything. And she broke or she, she took something that my daughter didn't like. And then when she left, my daughter didn't say anything. And then when she left, um, my daughter was crying saying, I didn't want her to play with that. And I said, well, you know, she was really excited to be here. Um, next time you just have to let her know not to, pl- if there's something specific that you don't want somebody to, 
to touch or play with, you either put it away or you say, hey, please don't touch this. You have to use your voice to just being able to, to speak up. And I think at least with my journey is I never spoke up before because I wasn't allowed or because I was shamed when I did. Um, and again, that was that was nobody's fault. It was just the situation and the culture. And so now it's again, learning how to gracefully and calmly use my voice and, and say yes or no, when I feel like it's a yes or a no. Assertiveness skills at an early age are, are Mm -hmm. like, I also really wish I were given those assertiveness skills early on. And and like you said, it's no one's fault. Uh, It also becomes, you want to be liked and it goes back to, you know, developmental years, you're in the schoolyard, you want to be liked. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, she's, she's so lucky. That's so awesome. Oh, thank you. But again, it's never too late. And that's why it's never too late to be able to set boundaries and, and also know, and this is what I've seen through Lilila also is that it might come out messy. Yes, It might come out messy, but just let it come out because it's literally decade, depending on how old you are, it's decades of you not having the space to use your voice. So it might come out as anger. It might come out, you know, with tears, but that's okay too. Just know that it has to come out and you will eventually figure out a balance of, of, of how a, a delivery balance. Yes, yes. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Just normalizing boundaries, I think are such a huge step. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, speaking of being liked and, you know, connecting who, who is your mentor? Speaking of, we spoke offline that you are a mentor to so many, who is your mentor? I mean, there's so many people that come to mind. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm blessed with so many amazing women in my life. Um, And my daughter is blessed with so many aunties. So every single one of those friends are my mentors. Um, But I've honestly come to a place with all of my growth, with my decolonization journey, uh, and with being a mother, that I can honestly say that my mother is my mentor. And, you know, just like side note, we were oil and what is it? Oil and, oil and vinegar, water, oil and water growing up. She like, I made her life a, a living hell. And I was that rebel. And like, we never saw eye to eye only until recently. And, you know, I resented her because, you know, Filipino culture, they send money. You know, she worked really hard as a nurse and she sent money home and she wasn't necessarily emotionally present. So I never really connected with her, never understood her, never understood, you know, why she was so strict. But then now, and it, it took the decolonization journey for me to really connect with her on a deeper and more intimate level. Um, and and so she is my mentor. Now I'm looking back, I'm, I'm going to start crying now, but now I'm looking back at things that she did. And again, the delivery was very, very off at most times, given the culture, given the age difference, all of that. But I, I, I'm able to see past all of the fogginess and, and acknowledge her intention and acknowledge, you know, how she was trying, like she, she was doing her best. I always knew she was doing her best, but she's my mentor now because again, going into the decolonization and she's a very Catholic and Christian woman. Um, I honor her devotion to the church because I realize that is her meditation. That is her groundedness. That is what kept her sane all of these years. It doesn't mean that it has to be mine, um, but I do honor that now. And so I'm able to, again, look, look past all of that and really 
see her shine like and and we've never been closer so it's amazing that I'm actually saying this now see the result of so much work and introspection what comes out of it you know we all look back on our childhoods and our early adulthoods with like shoot I really put my parents through hell and but just I think acknowledging that now we you know hindsight is always going to be 2020 and just hearing how you know she's really influenced you and impacted you is really touching to me so thank you for that Mm. I really appreciate that that piece you're welcome you're welcome so where can everybody find you where can everybody check you out where are you at oh so I'm um, mainly on Instagram. You can find me at des, D-E-S dot Escalante, E-S-C-A-L-A-N-T-E. That's actually my mother's maiden name uh, for, for anybody curious. Yeah. So Des Escalante, uh, I'm launching my website um, in the next few weeks. So that's Desiree Ruiz, R-U-I-Z. So D-E-S-I-R-E-E, R-U-I-Z dot C-A with all of the information Uh with how you can, we can connect and how we can get to know each other a little bit more. Des, thank you so much for everything. You've taught me so much today. Please come back. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. So much came out today of this interview. I echoed Des's words when she said that, you know, when you're learning, it's okay to be messy. Well, right now we're all learning things like equality, racism. We have to keep learning. And asking questions, it's okay. It's okay to ask questions, even if they are deemed politically incorrect. Just ask the questions, get educated, gain awareness, gain understanding. That's all I could say. Thank you so much once again for joining me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Grateful to you, as always, for tuning in. I am your host, Alexandra, inviting you to conquer the world, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.